2: Welcome to a Celtic State of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm delighted to be joined by Anthony Haggerty Now, that name will be familiar to a lot of people um, who have a, an interest in Scottish football because you were a sports journalist for 21 years writing for the Daily Record, Tony
3: I was, Paul, yes And you say it was because you've come out of the game I came out of the game, yeah In fact, it's, on Friday it'll be a year since I left the Daily Record and I came out, took voluntary redundancy and I, uh, I'm now at Glasgow Uni studying to be an English teacher, hopefully.
2: No, that's brilliant. A great achievement and well done. Well done to you. you you've come out of a, a a workplace which, you know, it was central to football fans in Scotland. We were just talking about that, how important it was um, to get the the news as it was. Now, there's a whole generation of people maybe tuning into a Celtic state of mind who never did that. But, of course, it's a declining industry. And um, I remember meeting you when you were active as a journalist and he says, you know... We're well, no, all bad guys, Paul. Some of us <laughs> support Celtic, you know? So it's great that you've come on to join us. And, you know, we can talk about some of your experiences in that game, in that field, and bring it right up to the 10 in a row and where we are just now as well, Tony.
3: Yeah, I mean, I remember that. Yeah, we met in the penalty spot in Sword Street, yeah, and I think Simon Dornley was doing that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And, you know, I, when you do something you love for 21 years, it comes across, you know, and, and regardless of what football team you support, I've always said that. Why should there be a problem with supporting a team and being a, a newspaper journalist, you know, a sports journalist? And if you come from the west of Scotland, there's a, a big chance you'll support one of the big two. Yeah. You know. But it, and, and I always thought that it, it, how come it was okay to be a Partick Thistle, Johnson, Dundee United, or Aberdeen fan, or any club in the media, but the minute you kind of aligned yourself with either, or then you you were a target for. Verbal abuse or, or whatever, or people to make judgments on you. You know, especially when they when they don't actually know you as a person. But I, I think that am I as a Celtic supporter, would you be any any fervent or passionate as an Aberdeen fan, a Partick Thistle fan, or St Johnson fan? I, I don't know. The way I see it as
2: well, Tony, is when things are going wrong you're hurting as a Celtic fan. And that can sometimes come across in your writing because it means something to you. So if you want change, for example, and I'll go back probably to the 90s, it's not a Celtic DA reference, but back in the 90s, you know, if the whole uh, mainstream media were dominated by people who were just dancing on Celtic's grave, then there would be various um, journalists out there who were supporting Things like Fergus McCann coming in That wouldn't have existed but it did Because I know Kevin McKenna was was shouting from the rooftops Uh, I know that Hugh McDonald's Was a massive supporter of Fergus Mm -hmm. As well there's a few journalists Who people probably wouldn't believe Were also pushing for Fergus (laughs) Because obviously uh, over the years They've maybe uh, been shown a a bit of a A kind of liking for the other side But these things will happen But what I like when I'm speaking to journalists And I, I took this very very early on When I was writing a book was they're always willing to assist and sometimes that's with contacts for players or ex-players and there's some guys who I know are Celtic fans who are currently in the media who won't come on because they don't want to get the flack that, that uh, you're going to get if you align yourself maybe to Celtic and you're working in the Scottish
3: media. I mean, I I think that's a personal choice for some people, you know, and it, it could become an occupational hazard, you know, having stepped out it. I mean, mo- most people... Knew I was a Celtic supporter anyway, you know. So uh, I, I'd never, I'd never actually had it or tried to hide it, you know. Mm-hmm. I didn't see any any benefit from that, but it doesn't mean you could not look obdurately at something, you know. With an with an obdurate eye, you you were professional to the last, and I certainly tried to be. And uh, and a lot of people, even when I left, still didn't know who I supported. So you, you turn on you think, okay. Maybe I did something right, or maybe I did something wrong. But I uh, I I always, I always think I, your football team's a personal thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not up for question. You make a choice, and there is no wrong choice with the football team. You know, when you support, you know, there, there is no wrong choice. It's, it's your football team, and that's it for life. And I also make the point that you can only support one football team. Yeah. See these people that say oh, I'm a Barcelona fan, or I'm a PSG fan, or I'm a You're not. You you, you know, you can only support one football team. You give your heart and soul to one team and you stick with it, you know. Because I don't know about you, you might like Barcelona, but, you know, when they get beat, you don't run up your stairs and lock yourself in the bedroom. You want to cry or or whatever, you know. Only your football team, if it gets you the way it should, makes you want to, you know, you go through the whole... Gamut of emotions mm-hmm. uh, With your particular team You laugh, that. you cry, you celebrate You get despondent In, in, in football cyclical as everybody says So you, you go you go right. with it But that's your choice You make it very early Whether it comes from your family, your dad passing it down Your granddad, or whoever Or you make up your own mind because you've seen a particular player Or, or you like it or as bases as you like a certain colour It's your team
2: Or if you were in, if you were in Italy playing Cebucio.
3: Yes, of course. (laughs) And you like the green and Of course, that's always a big one. Yeah. 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 Now, I I totally
2: get that because you drive about these days, Tony, you see kids in Real Madrid strips or Barcelona strips. You think if they get beat or English football teams, if they get beat this weekend, it's not going to ruin your weekend. I know that if Celtic do as they just did, it, it, you know, it absolutely engulfs you for longer than your weekend.
3: I, that's one thing that kind of saddens me when I see a lot of kids running about with uh, foreign strips on or English or English tops on. You know, again, going back to, I guess, it's personal choice, but a lot of it's the kind of following of successful teams. Mm-hmm. You, you know, they're, they're never unfashionable teams. I don't see anyone running about with an Atalanta top on, you know, or, or a Lille top, yeah. you know, Nantes or however, you know. Uh, it's always... Barcelona, Real Madrid, Manchester United, Juventus, you know, and I'm sure they all do have Scottish teams. All these kids uh, that they they support, but you know, when I was a kid growing up, it, it was a big thing to purchase a mm-hmm. a Scottish football strip of, of your team. It was a major thing to own, you know. And uh, when it came on the day it came out, you you were like, oh, I need I need to get that. I need to get that, you know. And and you had your favorite player name, maybe emblazoned on the back or your own surname or whatever, but you you took real pride in that, you know, you it was a kind of declaration of this is my team. Mm -hmm. I'm wearing their colours. Proudly. You know, proudly. Definitely. You know, and and the results were what they were and you you dealt with it accordingly growing up, Mm -hmm. you know? You know,
2: talking about growing up and again I'm not harking back too much to the good old days because we are in the process at the moment of making history or breaking history, or allowing it to to run away from us, Tony. No one knows what's going to happen in the coming weeks and months. But um, we will remember when Celtic were stopping the 10. And I know a lot of Celtic fans don't even say that. They'll say that they they were winning the 1. But uh, when Rangers had won 9 in a row going for the 10, Vim Jansen comes in. And you look at the way that team was assembled, the mentality that was created, and I say created because it was from the management and the way that they approached it, and then we now look at the situation where, uh, you know, it's turned around and we're going for the 10. And you've got you've got a team here who, man for man, I don't think are as good as Celtic. Uh, if you were comparing coach to coach, Lenny's won a lot in the game as a manager and, and Gerrard does not. But we're facing a situation where this is a real challenge. Do you see any um, things that, Resemble back in the day When we were trying to stop the 10
3: Without a doubt I spoke to you off just before coming on and I, I believe right now I think it's disingenuous to call Stephen Gerrard A rookie manager now He's two years in the job But he's showing signs Increasing signs of learning They've got not a bad record in Europe Taking a few scalps have claimed a few scalps right He's assembled a band of players there Who are playing for him mm-hmm. You know And I said this to you it, It's almost it's a quest now. It's become a mission. They have to stop the ten. It's this year or bust. The same way as Vim Jansen when he came in, moulded his side, and they had to stop the ten. You know, and when you say that, I'm firmly a. It was a winning of the one. I was in that camp. It was a celebration of what was achieved. Mm-hmm. What, what, what? Not what wasn't. I'm, I'm very much the the former as opposed to the latter. And and there are similarities, but I think the one thing that Rangers have got this season over what that Celtic team had is no crowds. Now, there's not that pressure. If you remember going back to that season, every misplaced pass was a tragedy. Yeah, You know, every goal that was scored against you was just, oh, it was the end of the world. You know, and I, and I remember my father, my father's big hero was Jock Steen. And he just couldn't reconcile himself with the fact that Rangers would eclipse his record, and so that season he he became really embroiled in it and passionate, and you know. And I I used to look at him and think, you know, you'll need to calm down. Mm -hmm. So, and Rangers have that added uh, bonus that they're not playing at Ibrox with the expectations of the supporters bearing down on them at the moment. You know, so there's a wee bit of freedom that they can play with and they can express themselves and nobody's there to shirk them or chide them or, you know, or get on their case so I think the pressure's slightly off, you know, Van Jansen's team, I mean, they started poorly you know, very Massive, poorly yeah. you know and uh, the dreadlocked one giving the ball away to Mr Chick who thrashed it into the net and going back to you know people making snap judgments of Henrik Larson right there and then, mm-hmm. he'll no do no, no. Oh, could he misplaced a pass? Now we got snap judgments of the manager, the current manager. You know, but what I will say is, I think most people, and I gave you this stat earlier, that most people are annoyed at the fact that they've played Rangers in the last three, the last three times they've played Rangers. I'll give you an interesting stat: they've had six shots on target, five in the game that they lost two one in November. One in the cup final, which they scored from, and none in that game. There now, there's a worrying trend developing for a lot of supporters in terms of uh, the managers, you know. And I think people are beginning to kind of think that Gerard now has a hex over Neil Lennon. Mm-hmm. But they were saying the same back in November when they lost, and then Celtic, you know, reeled off an impressive set of victories and and stuff, you know. But they did, they did, Tony. Uh, So you have to weigh these things up The the knee jerks always to Play but You're looking at it And you're looking at the manager and you're looking at the way the team's played There's something not functioning There's something all right This is the one thing that we've spent
2: This week certainly uh, Talking about, we've spent a lot of the the Period this season talking about the the Performances and we can't quite Put our finger on it and the reason for that Tony is you don't know what's happening behind closed doors you don't know you hear the rumours you try not to focus on them because a lot of the time you know the sources aren't good um, or they're doing it to ruffle feathers before a big game so then what you you think about is well edward's not firing on all cylinders absolutely not and cham who uh, is a player that i rate very very highly it looked like a shadow of what we know he can achieve on Saturday. And there's others we could go through, and it's not about criticising every player, but they certainly are not playing um, as a unit. And a lot of the players that we would normally expect performances from aren't delivering. So when we're looking back over the last nine, the nine in a row, you've got Lenny Mark one and Mark two. I've asked people who know Neil Lennon, you know how he's changed and what's the differences, etc. But obviously, you've dealt with these people. You've dealt with Ronnie Dyla. You've re- you've dealt with Brendan Rogers. And I think it would be interesting to look at the nine seasons of uh, domestic dominance and some of the um, anecdotes and some of the things that stood out for you around these three managers.
3: Well, first and foremost, Lennon Mark 1 was a Mm firebrand. You saw it for yourself. uh, The League Cup final and stuff like that when he stormed the pitch. and, And he had all sorts of other issues to contend with as well. With the incident at Tyne Castle and and stuff like that, you know, and a, a lot of, it, he met fire with fire, mm-hmm. shall we say, mm-hmm. Lennon, and he, he wanted to really, uh stamp his authority on, on the Celtic job, you know, so he, he and he felt that he, he, should be there, and he, and he wanted to make a point, and, and he was always great value, never ever ducked a question, you ask no Lennon a question, you get a straight answer, He never ever said, nah, I'm not answering that, and, uh but to to his detriment sometimes, because he was too open mm-hmm. at times, you know. Not so much in, in, in giving tactical knowledge away, but just you know, there's a time when you sort of say, right, rein yourself in. But he, he couldn't help himself, you know, and he, he he just he just wanted what was best for the club and what was what was best for Celtic and and what was best for himself at that moment in time, you know. And uh, Lennon Mark one against Lennon Mark two. There's a Distinct contrast. He has mellowed a lot, Mm -hmm. you know. And, you know, the Lennon Mark one was some of his conduct. And I'll say this I I, I didn't particularly think it was befitting of a man holding that high position or holding a job that, as a supporter, you think is the best football job in the world, you know. But again, he was learning, it was his first managerial job. So you get your mistakes out the road, I mm-hmm, guess. Mm-hmm. You know, but th- they still won the titles. You know, and it takes a special kind of manager to get players to play for you to win a title. You know, and judged over a season, and uh, he, you, you never wanted a Lenin stare. Let's put it that way. It was, uh, it was quite, uh, quite something if you sat across and you got the, the Lennon Lenin eyes. You know, and it, no words required. because he gave you know, he'd, he'd be quite. One of them But He loved a laugh And a joke And a carry yeah. on And mm-hmm. You know And uh, But he uh, Yeah He was serious Serious When it came to His football stuff And He, he said he, he always said that he, he didn't ask players To do anything That he He had never Experienced or did himself Working under Guys like Martin O'Neill Yeah You know Ronnie Dyler was just a guy That won the lottery <laughs> You know Uh and the loveliest, loveliest man that you could ever hope to meet just rode the wave, the two-year wave that he was on, you know, he just, and he loved being there and he loved the fact that he Celtic had approached him and, and I think, to be fair to Celtic, I think it was an experiment because I think they thought that they'd kind of unearthed the, the next Mourinho mm-hmm. at an early stage and I, I admire their ambition for that and what I will say is that I wouldn't like Ronnie Dyler's uh, chapter in Celtic's history in 9-10, stroke 10, if it does become that, to be airbrushed at all, because he was a big part of it. Yeah, You know, the, he came in at a time when everybody said, oh, it was a doddle. It's not a doddle to win a title with, at any level. You know, you have to... And he came in as a foreigner, and, you know, having not had much success with a... You know, had success in his own in his own home yeah but not with a fashionable club so it was a total a total gamble but he was a very affable guy and another one who who loved a laugh and a joke and you know he, he loved his two years but I think he realised himself eventually that as the pressure started to build was man enough to admit I'm I'm, I'm, I'm leaving here because I just start you know and and, and you know, his kind of tenure was tarnished with that loss on penalties to Rangers in the, the Scottish Cup semi-final. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can happen when it goes to a penalty shootout. You know, should they have won that game? Yeah, probably, but, but they didn't. So, But I don't think that in any way can blemish the two years successful years that he had. Yeah. You, you know, know, when
2: I look at Ronnie Dyler, and um, it's interesting that you mention about Lenny Mark 1 and 2, because I think Celtic fans are looking for the thunder they, to, yeah. to return a wee bit, you know? Because um, we think back to... The famous one was Tony Mowbray. You've got yeah. Tony Mowbray and Peter Grant. And Granty as a player, was always so animated. Love him or yeah, loathe yeah. him, he was always animated. But then on the sidelines, it was just almost like, you know... Not disinterest, Tony, but, yeah. you know, it was very much like, you know, within themselves. And and a lot of the time, Neil Lennon seems to be like that. Just now, and again, he's maybe not... Buzzing as much off the crowd who are not there, etc. But you want to see a wee bit more of that. But the interesting thing, Ronnie, I think his legacy has been he was a talent spotter, and you know he gave debuts to Kieran Tierney, Callum McGregor, uh, Chris Iyer, Ryan Christie, players who have played a massive part in the, in the nine in a row.
3: Yeah, and also. Gave you the Ronnie Roa. You know there was grown men refusing to leave Parkhead until they they would got the Ronnie Roa. You know grown men. and I, I used to laugh at that. I thought, well, there you go. You, you gave them something, you know. But yeah, going back to the players, you said that he he brought through. They've been pivotal to mm. uh, nine in a row. So got a lot to thank Ronnie for. And also, I, I agree as well. I think they a lot of supporters want to fire brand new Lennon back. Because they, they're, they're studying his body language in the chair at the moment and as he lost his mojo a wee bit and a bit of that mm-hmm. that temperament that he had, you know, volatility, yeah. that maybe spark himself, the team, you know, uh, into life. but maybe Celtic are struggling with the fact that they don't have crowds, mm-hmm. you know, that, they can, that energy that they can feed off, you know, so it's all kind of feeding. But, you know, you, you have to say that you've got to still trust the manager to get it right Mm -hmm. because he's got it right so far. And maybe this is a test in time and and a blip, but if there's decisions to be made about Neil Lennon, then they're going to have to be made soon rather than later. And that's not me advocating anything to say that Neil Lennon should walk away or should be removed from office because I don't think that. But I think uh, if others at the club... Are thinking that way, then you know, be careful what you wish for. You know, I I told you this off but I'll tell people now. A lot of people, and this is not a defense of any shape or form about somebody who I claim is, is a friend. Uh, when I left the newspaper, talking about anecdotal stuff, and, and I, uh, I told a few of my contacts I was leaving, and one guy in particular stepped up to the plate, and it was Neil Francis Lennon who invited me to Lennox Town one day and let me watch training and gave me three hours of his time, just as to say, say thank you to me for dealing with him and just to say kind of cheerio and mm-hmm. hopefully we'll pass with me and he kind of left me and when I got my unconditional for Glasgow Uni, he texted me to say, if I can help you at all, uh, in any way, shape or form, moving forward then, don't hesitate, you've got my number. You know, and, People will say, ah, you've got my number and people very rarely use it. But yeah. I still text him every now and again and he'll respond. You know that? And, and you don't get into football journalism to become friendly with people. That, that was more circumstance than anything else. But mm. uh, regardless of your thoughts as a manager, or, or Neil Lennon as a manager, as a person, he's up, he's up there in my estimation because he didn't have to do that. And, uh, you know, and I, I just thought that was kind of Class act and that—that's a side to Neil Lennon that not a lot of people see. Mm-hmm. Don't think he you know puts it out there. You know they—they they have their own opinion of him. But yeah, that's 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 a Neil Lennon that, that I know and, and got to know and was privileged to get to know because of the job that I did and the mode of employment that I had. Yeah, and yeah. that and I never ever took that for granted. I don't text him every day because it's just I never ever it's not not my position to do that, you know. But uh, it was just a, a crack in three hours and I, I thought to myself, I'll never ever sit in the office of a Celtic manager ever again for three hours doing what we are doing just now, laughing, joking, you know, observations of the team criticising this and that and you know, and, and it was it was a it was a brilliant thing to do and it was an even better thing to do without flicking a dictaphone on or
2: mm-hmm.
3: I bet. you know. Yeah. It was just it, it was magic and I, uh, I've always, I respect him for that because one he didn't have to and two, uh, you know he, he went even out of his way to just sort of, give me a kind of proper send off after all those years. So that that was good. But as I say, this is it's not a defence of the guy saying because he's not my best pal. he's just somebody that I've happened to know very well in 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 the mode of employment that I did. So, uh, but the jury still well not in the jury style, not my personal jury style, I still think you can get it right, but I think a lot of Celtic supporters are just, I think they're just disappointed with the last three games against Rangers mm-hmm. and the nature of the performances, which have been pretty, pretty insipid. They won the cup final because big, the big wall was in goal, you know, they lost in November because they were beaten by a hungrier team and they lost there because I think, I think you and I both know that the, the wrong team was maybe the wrong starting eleven was maybe put out
2: there. Absolutely, uh, you, the big thing as well is when you look at the Lennon of old, and you're looking at um, and I know sometimes the cameras can play tricks on you because it's a split moment, Tony. So it looks like Lenny's just sitting there with his arms yeah. crossed, and, but you know he might have been out and we have yeah, just not seeing yeah. it because we're not at the games as much. And the thing, the thing with me is I'm asking myself because I've been support supportive. On this podcast, um, sometimes very, you know, much criticised for being supportive of uh, Neil Lennon. I'm now wondering, can he turn this around? And um, the fact that you've studied him as a football manager over a, a, a long period of time, you've seen the uh, appointments of Ronnie Diley, you've seen the appointment
3: of Brendan Rodgers, Neil, Neil Lennon's back. Do you think he can turn it around? I think he's, he deserved the chance to turn it around. I think he deserves the time to turn that around but if again I go back to it. if someone in a more prominent position at Celtic than me has decided that he can't turn that around, then that's something that's going to uh, have to be decided uh, ass up you know, because did they limp on to you know, they go to Pitoddy on Saturday, Sunday mm. and if they lose that and I'm not saying they will lose that but could, they could conceivably lose to Milan. They could conceivably lose to Aberdeen. You know that. How long do you let it go if that? If that's your thinking, but I think the manager, after what happened in December last year, has earned the right to at least try and mould his team and you know get them back to where they were. You know, but uh, I think there's. I think there's panic setting in amongst the Celtic supporters, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. ten's just so important. You know, and you, and you go back to uh, the one I never touched on was Brendan Rodgers and Brendan Rodgers it was just that uh, and I know the Celtic supporters have their own thoughts and names for Brendan but Brendan Rodgers to me is just he's the second best manager in the history of the club. You know, uh, bar one, we all know who that is. Yeah. Uh, and I think given Time's a great healer And people will eventually Look on Brandon Rogers' Tenure at Celtic Is A really Fantastic time mm-hmm. You know uh, An invincible treble A double treble You know Some magnificent wins Over Rangers What did he play 13 Or 14 Or 111 Drew one Lost one or something Lost one Drew one yeah uh, You know of, and of, the wins were emphatic and the wins were know. emphatic and people yeah. saying so they should be because they the most money need they the best team yeah and and granted they, they should have been but I don't think the South supporters could have could have uh, you know envisaged the fact that players like Musa Dembele would come in Edouard you know they would beat Rangers 5-1 home and away beat them 5-0 4-0 you know just unbelievable times and a moment in time where uh, Tom Roderick scores that goal and the lightning does strike and uh, you know for supporters of my age, your age you know if domestically is your yardstick right, domestic football is your yardstick and European football is something that is maybe beyond your reach at this minute then to go through a whole season and win everything unbeaten and you know it's up there with great moments and in Celtic's history. It has to be.
2: Oh definitely.
3: You know, and I, I defy any Celtic supporter to say whether they were at the game or not that they had an outer body experience after Tom Rodgers scored. I know I did. I was standing with my, my dad and my nephew and we were just to the side of the press box and I I was aware of you no know, people would know I was there but you know as I say I never ever had I was a fan and Tasmanian Devil meets Yosemite Sam when Roderick scored I, I just lost it to the point where my, my nephew said to me do you know what I loved about that game? The fact that you let yourself go. Mm-hmm. After 20 odd years of sitting being kind of impassive about it and just trying to take it all in your stride be true." I lost it and you live for moments like that in football that's, yes. you know and and Brendan Rodgers gave Celtic supporters that. You know, he, he, he built that team and he built that mentality and, and remember he came on the back of such a crushing disappointment when they lost to Rangers and penalties at Hampden mm-hmm. and everybody worshipped him in, you know, 13,000 turning up, he's unveiling And they just hoped, a bit like when Martin O'Neill came in and he, and he said the same kind of thing, I'll try my best and I hope to bring success to your football club boy did he bring success you know and the the banner at Tynecastle Castle annoyed me when he left and I get the circumstances how he left and the club that he left for but if you're Brendan Rodgers your football world revolves around being in the so-called self-proclaimed best league in the world mm-hmm. I'm sorry it does yeah did he joke people by saying he'd been a Celtic supporter all his life possibly but I tell you what, he he was convincing. He was a great actor then, you know. Didn't he didn't believe it. Yeah, you they know. didn't believe it. Yeah, and no. and he never ever gave you the impression that he wouldn't leave before nine or ten, you know. So, uh, and I think the selfish supports fell out with themselves a bit over that because they, they, he was a messiah, mm. and they followed the messiah, and they would have followed the messiah to the ends of the earth, and she as a. As a journalist going to a Brendan Rodgers press conference, it was—it was nothing like I'd heard before or since. It, it was an education. Mm. The way he thought about football, you know, he, he just—he slept and breathed football, and you know, you were just sitting there thinking, "Don't ask a banal question. Don't ask a banal question," you know. And but see, even if he did. That didn't matter he, he would answer it and he was he was good and and he was also great you know work experience kids would come in various newspapers you know and he'd sit down and the first thing he'd say is there's a new face who are you brilliant you know yeah and he, he shook their hand and he would talk to them for about two or three minutes before anything had even started and you imagine a kid Home and saying to their mum and dad, I went to Lennox Town today and and Brendan Rogers spoke to me. You know, I saw the news recently that Jurgen Klopp was writing a letter to a 14 year old boy who said he gets anxious. Tremendous. Oh, it's brilliant. What a way to deal with people, and and also just a a guy who got it as well about being a custodian and ambassador and just the public face of Celtic. You know, and, and when I hear fans. He's so, you know, disrespectful towards him and name calling it jars with me a bit. You know, I, I just, I just think that give it time and they will, they will love what he did at Celtic. You know, he's revolutionised that whole club.
2: I was going to ask you there. You were talking there about a mentality, and that certainly did change, didn't it, under Brendan Rogers. I mean, so many things changed behind the scenes that we're maybe only learning about now. But the whole mentality, the, the club, I'm going to say the club changed because going back to somebody we mentioned earlier, Johnny Owens just done a film on the Three Kings, Matt Busby, Bill Shankly, Jock Steen. Now you could add other names into that, but these types of managers, Brian Clough, Don Revy, Alex Ferguson, managed the entire club to yeah. the point where their influence could be seen from the tea lady to the boardroom. And I think that when Rodgers came in, it was the first time we'd seen that in a long time, Tony
3: He was omnipresent mm-hmm. No, omnipotent almost he, he was given a blank canvas And told, go and paint your own picture You know, and boy did he do that mm. You know, and would not have come to Celtic Had they not uh, had they not granted him that You know, and for once not, not for once, that's maybe But to be fair to Celtic It was a massive coup getting Brendan Rodgers yep. Right? Yep and also, it was an even bigger coup to just give them free rein. Didn't get it right all the time. You know, European results, you know, some of them were not befitting of a club of Celtic stature, but, you know, that that's fair enough. But again, I get back to it, that European football at the minute for Scottish clubs is kind of somewhere in the ether, you know. They need to kind of build themselves up again and, and get better, you know, in, in order to compete at any kinda of level,
2: you know? You you look even at the developments in the last few days of um the big leagues and the big teams yeah. looking to, to go further into the distance by jumping ship from UEFA to FIFA and creating a brand new tournament and we know that Scottish football will never be part of these plans, Tony. And Celtic with its rich European history might not be part of the, that that type of plan.
3: The saddest part about that is is that Celtic kicked off European football's Cinderella story mm-hmm. Celtic kicked that off because they came from a part of the globe that wasn't a football superpower you know and and the reason a lot of people watched it was because it was on the BBC Yeah. so the World Service could uh, you know televise this game and also the kind of Romantic thing about the fact that all the players were from the thirty mile radius, that kind of thing. But Celtic came from nowhere; it's the ultimate football Cinderella story. Paved the way for others mm-hmm. to come. You know, now you talked about uh, Matt Busby. You no, know, who's to say the Busby Babes might have been the first British club to to win the European Cup because that team say, seemingly were were good enough. You know, but you know, tragedy struck them, and and it's all it's. it's that's particularly sad, you know, but Celtic showed how you didn't have to be a fashionable club to win the big one. Yet now nothing is more abhorrent to the men in suits that an unfashionable club could ever win the big one again. No. Because right. they 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 see they don't bring any value to the table. And it's 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 bordering on a football crime. Mm-hmm. You know no, because football is because football's is, all about the dreamers, the fairy tale, yeah. You know, and Celtic were dreamers back in '67, caught a moment in time, mm-hmm. you know. And how prophetic of Steam to say when they got the sports team of the year in BBC and BBC, yeah, and they got the trophy off Matt Busby. And he said, Here's hoping the next hands and this trophy are yours, you know. Just I mean, crazy, but you know, I. And if you take that out of football, then what have you got? I love Scottish football, Paul. People are so down on Scottish football mm-hmm. because they compare it to La Liga, they compare it to England, they compare it to, you know, leagues that are awash with cash. You may as well call these teams in all of these leagues Moneyball 1, Moneyball 2, Moneyball 3, right? Down to 22. Scottish football's honest. There's an yeah. honesty there about it, right? Well, no kidding named they on, right? And what it lacks in millions of pounds and skill and technique it makes up for an heart and passion mm-hmm. going back to why you support a football team you know the will the will to win just there's a an honesty and, a, and a, a a realness about it you know people can disagree with that but no there's nothing better for me on a Saturday than being sent to and I could be sent anywhere I could be Celtic Park I could be Central Park Peace. doesn't matter doesn't matter to me Somebody was paying me to write about something that I loved and a sport that just the world over's, you know, people love it. But see, when the suits decided that they were going to turn it into a business, mm. we, it, they, they ripped the heart and the soul out of football. In fact, they ripped the guts out of football. No, oh, they did. And I'm glad to say that Scottish football hasn't. Going down all. People are arguing, say that Celtic kind of have because they're, they're the richest club and they are the best players, and that that's and and I get that argument too. But you know, in every in every league, there has to be a a richer club because they're bigger resources. You know, so I, I, and but my my own feeling is that I don't think the product in Scotland's as bad as people say it is because you can go through any league. And say it's a two horse race, mm-hmm. a three horse race, or, or whatever, or pick out uh, clips that don't portray it in a great light, you know. But for every one of them, I'll give you 10 great moments of skill or 10 reasons why, you know, I loved Hamilton St Johnston last week, you know. Do you see somebody like Stevie May and Craig Conway go back of the years, play fantastically well? Yeah. You no, know, things like that, and you go, wow. That was a vintage. Remember when they?
2: And what other what other country in the world has a stadium like Central Park, like you referenced before?
3: Yeah, you know, <laughs> what a place. You know, so the stock uh, cars. You know, you know, correct. And you look at it and think, whoa, oh, the land at time forgot. You mm-hmm. know that that kind of thing. But and if five hundred people want to support and Beef every week, that's their team. You no, know, I, I remember Pat Rolling, who's a comedian and a big Celtic fan. You might know Pat. But, uh, he was once one of the Albion Rovers directors mm-hmm. and they drew Rangers in the cup and they were cock-a-hoop and they were you know, brilliant windfall for everybody and I remember having a conversation with Pat one day and I was doing a bit because he was going out in a van and a loudspeaker, Colt Bridge and Eddie, trying to get more fans in the door and I said to him, what would make a difference, Pat, to your attendance? And his answers stunned me. He said, if we could get 25 more punters in really? through the door, Paying between a ten and fifteen quid or twelve quid, mm-hmm. I went. See, I, I was waiting for him to say a couple of hundred, but he said that twenty five could pay a gas bill, an electricity bill. You know, and I was like, wow. You know, and that's the way these clubs kind of, kind of lived and existed. And, and I went, wow, wow, wow. And that, that and that kind of fine margins. You know, you talk about football clubs, but if you obliterated Alwyn Rovers, and you know. Doesn't matter how many people support Albion Rovers, but it's their club. Yeah, you can't play God with football clubs because they're no cash rich. They're no,
2: exactly, they're not fashionable enough for your master plan. You
3: know, mm-hmm. and I, I, I've always, I've loved Scottish football for that. People say we have too many clubs. I look, I, I'm the opposite. I think, isn't it great that so many people support so many different clubs, and you go to one corner of Scotland to the next, and you know they'll. they'll and they'll support their team with a fervor and a passion, and you know, and, and and they love it. Yeah, definitely. You
2: know? And so. by the way, apparently, means a season ticket hold at Central Park, so I wasn't having a dig at Cowden. <laughs> oh no, <neither> was I
3: that <laughs> was I just picked that out the yeah, air because definitely. it was Celtic Park and Central Park, so it was a kind of alliteration there. It was just you know, that. No, it is
2: an experience. Let me tell you now. The thing with tomorrow night, we've spoken about European football. It's almost taken a backseat this week, Tony. The yeah. AC Milan game normally would be sitting here buzzing about a game that we were going to. Yeah. Um, people are looking ahead to the Aberdeen game. You and I spoke before saying, you know, the work starts here for the Aberdeen game. We need to get a performance out of the team. What changes can you see Neil Lennon making tomorrow night?
3: There has to be some kind of reaction tomorrow, you know. And and I don't really agree with this free hat expression in football, but mm-hmm. I think, I guess, this is is good a uh, Free if you're going to get it, you know, because Celtic's focus and drive should be on the ten. Europa League's a, a distraction; it's a nice one, and but you know if they're really fixed, they're, they're fixating on the league, or they or they should be, you know. So I think tomorrow will be the ideal time to bring in the likes of Turnbull, but yeah. a dyna, dynamism in the midfield, you yeah. know, a guy that can run up and down and. I watched a lot of Turnbull when I was through the job, and I covered Motherwell a lot. And great kid, just and a and a baller, you know. He's got it. Mm. I, well, I, I believe in my humble opinion, he has it, you know. And you know, in forty-five minutes against Hibs this season was probably Celtic's best performance, and Turnbull was instrumental in that. Mm. Set up a jetty for a lovely third goal, you know. And I, and I think. A lot of people were disappointed that he wasn't in the team on Saturday. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of people like me can maybe take a leave in Sham when he's hot, he's hot; when he's cold, he's a passenger. You know, again, not. I don't mean that to be critical. It's an observation more than anything else. That I just feel he's got so much more to contribute. Mm-hmm. But if it's not going from then you know,
2: he's a four out of ten. Aye. Yeah.
3: You know, and uh I think Turnbull could maybe have given them something different on Saturday. Like McGregor, he can get up and down. He's, You know, he got an eye for a pass. He can take a set piece. You know, he can rifle one in from 20 yards, 30 yards range, mm-hmm. you know. And I'd like to see Griffiths get an extended run now if Edward's not fit. But you touched on it earlier that, you know, Edward hasn't been firing on all cylinders since the start of the season. Yeah. So... Guys like that, they're not, you know, they're not undroppable. They, you know, you you have to understand that Celtic are chasing history, mm-hmm. you know. So you have to play your part. You have to step up to the plate. And just because your friend's ready doesn't mean you walk into the team. You know, you've got to produce. And and the talent he's got—that's what's annoying Celtic fans. The talent he's got—it's it's off the charts. It's off the scale.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And you know, you look at him sometimes and. And he has that languid kind of Lackadaisical style That a lot of these guys have Dembele had it But he always switched on In the big games Yeah he did Right mm-hmm. Dembele You know he's he's his record against Rangers Spoke for itself Man City goals Stuff like that Because he got it You know Sometimes he think he gets it And other times I think he doesn't You know He just thinks He can stroll through it And think There'll come a moment In the game when I'll beat three in Hunky dory, you know, but that moment might not come as it's not came in a few games this season, all too regularly. For you know, I know. And, yeah, yeah. For for someone who you know is sublimely talented, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now I would have preferred Griffiths to start last week because he would have ran the channels and he would have been always looking to score. The minute the ball goes to Griffiths' feet, the first thing he's thinking can I get shot? Mm-hmm. I got shot in here, and also Rangers are terrified of him because he's got a good scoring record against them too. So they needed a spark against St. Johnson and Perth. Sparky gave him, he came on and scored. You know, so what, what more could he do? He said, Look, might not be back at my best, might not be fit, but I'm up for this challenge. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And so the inclusion of Climala and El Yanusi was, was baffling. You know, Climala scored a lovely goal too in the St. Johnson game, took it really well. But, you know, you ask any Celtic supporter who they would have started last week. There'd been Griffiths, you know. Without a doubt, I don't, don't want to harp back to last week because it's it was abject, it was miserable, it was, you know. And I touched upon the shots on target. Lee Griffiths would have had six shots on target himself.
2: Yeah, I know. On Saturday, and he came in in sixty-seven minutes. I think you know yeah. that was a frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, when you're looking at the changes as well, Tony, it's something that I've been pretty critical in Neil Lennon. You know, making the changes too late. Every change was made at two 0 um, and Griffiths is a guy that can give you the spark, you know. But
3: uh, um, you, you touched on it before you went on here. After fifteen minutes, you knew it wasn't working on Saturday. Mm-hmm, yep. Yeah. Managers are loath to change things after fifteen minutes because it's a, an admission of I've called it wrong. But I tell you what, Celtic supporters would have respected New learning big time if he did. And 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 then had they got beat, but but shown a bit more in an attacking sense. You know, see C T not have a shot on goal in a Celtic Rangers game. I don't know about Fair you but, Uh yeah. it's you know, you you go a long way and dig in the archives for to find a game, another game like that. You know? And as much as uh, the manager can maybe make excuses and say that they were they were without uh, certain personnel, the object of football is to score goals. Mm-hmm. Never had a shot On target against Rangers
2: last week Well Tony Tomorrow night I'm hoping that All changes And I hope Like yourself That Griffiths Gets a run out And um, I also hope This season You can come back in And join us again On A Celtic State of Mind It's been been brilliant today. Catching up And uh, you know Good luck for Everything this season (laughs) Itself All that's left for me To say is Anthony Haggerty Thanks for joining me On A Celtic State of Mind
3: Pleasure
2: Thank you
0: gives you access to all. Every
3: audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeart Media is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network